Now you are at Founders FAQ. Answers to all the possible questions of a founder. I mean, I think that, I mean, you, you said it right there. The first sales, the first customers, it's all founder-led. So, you know, it's on the founder to understand from the customer what the pain points are and how to position the product in such a way that it solves those pain points. And of course, more importantly, building the product that solves those pain points. But, you know, I, I take the approach of just asking a ton of questions to all of the early prospective customers. And you learn by pitching the product. That's the only way you can learn what the right go-to-market motion is. And so to use a specific example, for me, I'm selling to city managers of governments from all over the United States. Well, I have done probably like 50 calls myself with city managers at this point in time. And in each one of those, you take notes, you learn, you learn where they where they get their marketing from, right? Because from those early customer days, you know, you got to be where your customers are. So you kind of back into it by asking questions of those early prospective customers. Only then will you know the right go-to-market motion and whether it's PLG. Welcome to Founders of AQ. Today, my guest is Sunil Rajarma. Sunil is the founder of Hamlet, which connects communities to where they live by providing tools that give you the advantage of being a well-informed and empowered resident. He's also a scout at Sequoia Capital. Hey, Sunil. Welcome to Founders of AQ. Thank you so much for hosting me. I have a lot of questions for you, but at first place, you're a repeat founder, investor, and now you're running Hamlet. Could you give us a bit brief about yourself? Yeah, definitely. I was born in the Bay Area, so I grew up in a town called Saratoga, which is Borders Cupertino, and grew up around Apple Computer and all of that stuff during the, the 80s and 90s. And I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't end up ultimately starting my first company and I was, until I was in my mid-20s. And that was a writer marketplace called Scripted, where we were trying to get businesses to hire freelance writers remotely. And it was the early days of on-demand economy and, you know, grew that business pretty nicely and, you know, raised some venture capital for it. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we hit some problems scaling that business, but it was, it was awesome. We built an awesome team and it was a great learning experience. Since then, you know, I've done various things. I was a two-time entrepreneur in residence at Foundation Capital. I was part of the founding team of a company called uh, Radiance Labs, which was helping direct-to-consumer commerce companies sell over Facebook and SMS. And then now, of course, I'm at, you know, I've always been passionate about community, and I've wanted to start a company focused on local American communities. And the idea of Hamlet came because I ran for city council in the town where I currently live, and I noticed that there was just such an information gap for residents of small cities in America. They get their information primarily from social media. So at Hamlet, we're aiming to provide a credible source of information outside of social media where residents can learn about their cities and learn what important issues are being discussed. So like you said, multiple time founder, and I keep coming back for more. And what's Hamlet? And how did you come up with the idea and what triggers you started? So, you know, like I was saying, I think it was really inspired by the, the city council run. But what we're doing is we're using AI to take long public documents, such as city council meetings, and summarizing them in a way that residents can understand. Most residents of small communities don't have time, three, four hours to 
attend city council meetings, but they do care about what's going on. We aim to provide that information to those residents. Our business model, though, is working with the governments and charging them to create these content hubs with archives of their past meetings and summaries so they have the benefit of being fully transparent with their residents. And so put very broadly, we're taking public documents and making them easy to understand for residents and for governments. And at Hamlet, like, how did you find a product market fit? Because it's pretty hard, and it's the most wanted questions of founders in the early stage. Like, what was the case on your hand while you're finding a product market fit? Well, to be clear, I think we're, we're, I mean, we're still a very, very early stage company with only a few, you know, paying customers. So I view product market fit as a work in progress. I don't know that I've found it yet. I'll know, you know, I, I have a better sense having started some other companies, you know, what the signals are that I have it. But to me, it's a very happy customers plus a repeatable go to market motion where I can predictably get customers and they understand the value very, very clearly. So, you know, a few paying customers is great, but transparently, I think I'm pretty far from product market fit. But I only started the company one year ago, so it'll be a work in progress and I'm confident I can get there. And especially, do you believe it's really the thing sell before a built product? It's mostly software as a service B2B products, but what do you think about this thinking, like selling before building the product? Do you recommend this to the founders or what do you recommend, especially if you're running a B2B SaaS or B2C, B2C yeah, yeah. SaaS? I do. I recommend, I mean, it's, you know, every founder is going to have their perspective, but, you know, to go to market with, the least possible effort is always the goal, meaning obviously you want to build something that customers love, but there's a tendency for founders to just wait too long for perfection until they get customers. And I think it's just a way of procrastinating because I view the product building process and the go-to-market process as equally difficult. And you know, the goal of a pre-seed company or a seed stage company is to, with as minimal resources as possible, build something that's, you know, some people love that are passionate about it. And then also, you know, 50-50 spend time on go-to-market. So it's not necessarily selling before you have the product, but selling after you have the most basic product possible. I get it. And in the very early days, how did you form the really best people around you while in the founding team or while hiring the first five people? And how hard it is and what do you recommend for founders to attract the top talent in the initial step? And do you think it's important in the initial step for the first few people? Yeah, I'm just yeah wondering your thoughts about it. So, you know, this one is the first company that I've been a solo founder and that's new for me, but I like it a lot. And, you know, you get more mature over time and you're able to manage the time better and, you know, have dialogues with you know, I have great investors, great people around the table as advisors. In terms of the team, you know, two of my most critical team members came from my previous employer, GoodRx. And so I had the, you know, very fortunate privilege of working for GoodRx, which is a very strong consumer company. I joined, you know, before the company IPO'd, right before, and, you know, watched that company grow, you know, pretty significantly while I was there, both employee size-wise and revenue-wise. And so two of the people I worked closely with, I brought with me to Hamlet. So, you know, it's uh, it's nice having worked for a place where I really respect the alumni and I was able to bring, you know, two, two, two folks over. And in the very early days, 
how do you set up the right culture? It's, it's mostly depend on the founders or the first few people and how this will affect the rest of the company in the further stages. Yeah, I mean, it, it matters a lot how you set up the culture and how I think about culture and every founder approaches it different. But, you know, with these startups, momentum and speed are really everything. And so I want us to just accomplish something we feel proud of every week. I mean, on a daily level, it's hard to do that because people have good days and bad days. But on a weekly level, you know, what what have we achieved that we're proud of this week? And you know, I, it's a very results-oriented environment. Like it's not a, you know, we don't have an office, we're a remote team. I don't necessarily think being in an office, like, you know, 7 a.m., 8 a.m. till 6 p.m. works for every company. It works for some people. But, you know, I work with a mature team that's results-oriented and tries to accomplish a milestone every week. On the founder-led sales or or the PLG approach, of course, it depends on the business. But overall, how do you structure your GTM on top of this decision, like if you're a, like founder-less sales or PLG. And I know it's a pretty general question, but what do you recommend for founders in the really, really early days while finding their product market fit? How do they set up their GTM and what should they pay attention? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, you, you said it right there. The first sales, the first customers, it's all founder-led. So you know, it's on the founder to understand from the customer what the pain points are and how to position the product in such a way that it solves those pain points. And of course, more importantly, building the product that solves those pain points. But, you know, I I take the approach of just asking a ton of questions to all of the early prospective customers. And you learn by pitching the product. That's the only way you can learn what the right go-to-market motion is. And so, to use a specific example, for me, I'm selling to city managers of governments from all over the United States. Well, I have done probably like 50 calls myself with city managers at this point in time. And in each one of those, you take notes, you learn, you learn where they where they get their marketing from, right? Because from those early customer days, you know, you got to be where your customers are. So you kind of back into it by asking questions of those early prospective customers only then will you know the right go-to-market motion and whether it's PLG. In my case, it's not. It's these governments want to understand AI. And, you know, it's part of my job is to educate them because it's very, very new to them. So it's a very different go-to-market motion that's a little bit higher touch for governments, but the contract sizes are larger. I get it. And you're a Scott at Sequoia as well. And while you're evaluating the founders that you're talking, what do you mostly like uh, see in, in terms of their market size, their product, or their product market fit, or their founder market fit, or just founders? Like, what do you mostly pay attention while evaluating founders? Yeah, I mean, as an investor, when I am evaluating a company, I am um, I'm like I'm not a you know thesis driven founder, meaning I'm not only going to invest in hardware. So that's, that's not the style of investor I am. Um, I, so I am founder driven. And what I look for is, I do look for founders who have, I, you know, done it before. <laughs> I always invest in second time founders. The reason I have this, you know, this approach is, I've been a first time founder, and I know all the things that I had to learn as a first time founder. Now, don't get me wrong, there are some first time founders that are exceptional. And, you know, we'll reach that learning curve faster. But the first filter is, you know, have you started something before and failed? 
because that that experience is is very important. The second thing is I look for interesting markets that I would personally want to learn about. So, you know, sometimes I don't need to know the market well. I just need to know it's a big market. So one example of that is I, I invested in a, a YC founder who was building in the agriculture space. Did I know anything about the agriculture space? Absolutely not. But he did. He was a third generation farmer. And, you know, in investing in him, I learned all about that space. And to me, part of the fun in investing is partnering with people who are expert on their industry. And I get to learn in the process. So it's a privilege. And while you're evaluating founders, is it like you're right now a solo founder? Do you have any evaluation? Well, solo founder versus group of founders? Because like even YC, they, they accept like mostly the group of founders. And so what do you think about, and you have, you are experiencing right now uh, as well. So I'm, I'm really wondering your thoughts about solo founder versus group of founders. You know, I don't really have strong religion around this. Like I think, you know, the only type of team I feel I, like I wouldn't invest in is if there's three founders or greater, because I've seen that fail with my friends so many times. It's just so hard to have like a three founder situation or up. Um, in some cases, you see even more. In terms of solo versus two founders, look, there's there's a really good arguments for both. In my case, you know, since I'm not building, you know, a really deep technical product, I didn't need a CTO for this business, so I opted to go in and build it myself. But one or two founders is optimal, but it's really such a situation by situation basis, in my opinion. I get it. A lot of founders are also asking questions on the valuation. It's mostly dependent on how much you raise. And I think they know this, but also they know they dilute around like 15 to 20% each round. Like, what will be your thoughts? What will be your recommendation for them about the valuation talks while they're raising their round on seed or series A? Well, my, uh, my recommendation here is at the earliest stages, you should not over optimize for like a very fancy valuation. So you see some founders try to raise at, you know, 20 to 30 for their first round of funding, uh, you know, a couple million bucks or whatever the number is. And, you know, you're putting yourself in a difficult position right off the bat if you don't have product market fit, because then, you know, when you're looking at seed and series A investors, it's like, you know, then you better have enough traction to justify a $60 million valuation or whatever. And so I recommend for pre-seed and seed, not over-optimizing for valuation, and uh, instead focus on finding product market fit. And how do you make all the people inside the company hungry to achieve as milestones? Because as a startup, you have milestones in every quarter or such. So how do you make people that hungry to achieve those milestones? Well, in this case, you know, it, you do have to have self-motivated people as part of the early team. And, you know, like I said, I brought a couple of team members. I know that that's how they operate. It's a really, really hard thing to find is just people who are, you know, motivated by by achievement and motivated by, um, you know, feeling like if I don't if I don't finish this thing this week, <laughs> then I feel bad about it in a way. And like I'm, I'm sort of wired that way. And the team members I brought on are wired that way. They would not be content with just being idle. The other thing about a small team is, you know, in the early days, that no one can hide. Everybody has to do their part in uh, steering the ship. So I think that's a good thing and why I love small teams. And I have last two questions. What's the biggest challenge right now at Hamlet and how do you resolve it? And since startup is kind of up and down journey, like 
is there design thinking that you're buying at Hamlet? And what do you recommend for founders to overcome challenges in a kind of sustainable way in the long run? Well, it all comes down to the customers and making the early customers happy. If you can't make the early customers happy, you don't have a business, period. And so just this past week, I've done calls with all of our you know customers that were pretty detailed and just asked a lot of questions. And the customers matter both from like a revenue standpoint, of course, don't get me wrong, but you know, if they're not happy, they're not going to tell other people. And, you know, and then you have a real, real problem. So, you know, the customer and what they want is the guiding principle, ultimately. And in the early, early days, you know, nothing else matters. You can call that design thinking, but it's really just customer thinking. Like, what do they need? Make sure that you give it to them. And if you're not giving it to them, figure out a way to give it to them. Okay. And lastly, what's next for Hamlet? And do you have any message for the audience? Well, we're going to continue to, you know, talk to our customers and we're going to be in a position to, I believe, scale based on the, you know, early data that we're getting. And we're, we're getting some additional intelligence on other features we're building. We're going we're gonna to focus on that for the rest of the year. And then, you know, come January 1st, I want to see if we can get, you know, a really predictable go-to-market motion going. You know, I'm excited. I'm optimistic. I'm also nervous. I, all the things that founders feel, I feel, let me tell you. And uh, it never gets any easier. But if you like being a founder, you know what I mean? You can't let go of this feeling of wanting to see where this thing goes. So I'm excited. That's great. Thank you for coming to Founders Shafiki. I think it's pretty beneficial for the startup founders. So thank you for coming. Thank you so much for hosting me. By the way, you can order Founders FAQ from foundersfaq.com. It covers the answers to all the possible questions of a founder in a startup journey, revealing life-saving principles for the startup survival path, building A-plus teams, creating an evolving machine, setting up a neat culture, or interpreting the true path for the fundraising.